Call that Pastor Bubba. But the first time I met him was in London. And as we were there, you know, London is so packed. I mean, it's the busiest city in the world. I mean, there are so many people there. Even at all times, it's just so busy. So I remember being there with him, and we were at Buckingham Palace. I mean, we went to see the Queen. We took him to all the best places. But this guy, I mean, he, you know, he's not the tallest guy in the world, is he? Let's, let's be honest. And I lost him. I lost Pastor Bubba McCann in the middle of Buckingham Palace. Can you believe it? So I'm like, I'm panicking. I'm thinking, where is Bubba? Where is he? You know, there's not many people in England called Bubba. Let me tell you that right now. So I thought, well, you know, God's blessed me with a voice. It's one thing I can do is shout. So I thought, I'm going to shout and find the pastor. So I climb up some little steps outside Buckingham Palace. I say, Bubba! Bubba! Where are you? No, nowhere. I thought, I'm going to do this one more time. I'm going home. I said, Baba! All of a sudden, this little Japanese tourist pops up out of nowhere. He says, I am Baba! I am Baba! <laughs> and then just disappeared. And then the real Baba came. I thought, wow. I said, I'm going to tell that story every year for the next 30 years. So just be warned. I know it's great to be here. My name is Matthew. I've got nothing to do with the hurricane. I assure you that it is nothing. To, I'm not guilty on this occasion. And my wife and I run an organization named One by One. Uh, we do four things. Um, firstly, uh, we care for orphan children. We have an, an orphanage in Kenya uh, named King's Children's Home. And we have about 170 children now in our care. In fact, we took in another, a, a 21 new children last week. Many of these kids come from orphaned backgrounds. Some of them are HIV positive. Some of the most horrific things you could imagine these kids have been through. That's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is something that's called the Dignity Project. Now, you can learn more about all this stuff at the back. The Dignity Project right here is a project that's really close to our hearts. You know, we had girls who were missing one week of school every month due to their biological cycle. And they literally couldn't go to school. They'd just sit at home and bleed for one week out of the month. And they had no sanitary items. So we came up with this thing called the Dignity Project. We give each girl a pink bag. And we give them um, underwear. We give them sanitary products. And we're able just to bless them with the love of God. We also warn them about abuse. We have girls trafficked. We've had kids trafficked in our own village. Just disappear. Don't know where they've gone. Some people say they've gone in the sex industry. Some people say they've gone into the slave trade. We have no idea. They're just gone. So we educate these girls. We really love on them. We, we bless them. We're able to preach the gospel to them. And in one year, in the first year, we had 2,500 girls go through that program. So that's another thing we're involved in. You can get more info about that at the back. Uh, the third thing which is pretty cool. Like I said, we have 170 kids in our care, but we begin to widen our influence in Kenya. We've now started a schools program, and we're able to evangelize schools, and we're now reaching, on a bad week, 8,000 kids. On a good week, 10,500, 11,000 kids every single week. So what a blessing to reach about 11,000 children every week. The fourth thing we're involved in, which is something that's close to this church's heart, is Sri Lanka. Last time I was here, this church really blessed us, and, they, and you guys actually gave us $5,000 out of your missions budget, and you gave that money so that we could start this project in Sri Lanka. So we're right there in the war zone. 
They had a 27-year civil war. People were killed. People were just attacked. People were devastated. And we're able now to feed about 243 people every day in Sri Lanka. And you guys started that off. So thank you so much. Those of you who give, you know, you, sometimes you think, what do the church do with my money? Well, hey, here's what they do with your money. They're helping some of the poorest people on the planet. And what I love about this church is you have a global emphasis and a local emphasis. Okay? You serve your own community. The flooding, I was following up. I was praying for you guys when I saw that over on Facebook. And also, globally. You know, you're very able and willing to reach people around the world. So thank you so much. I really do thank you for supporting us and, and just being so awesome. So thank you so much. That's the four things we do. We desperately need children to be sponsored today. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't get a salary for being here today. I'm not being paid a dime for being here today. I'm here because I love these children. Um, it costs $30 a month to sponsor one of these kids. And we got 21 new kids. Most of them still need a sponsor. We just took them in last week. This is the first kind of thing we're doing since we got the kids. So if you can help us, it's $30 a month. I can sign you up right after the service. That would be great. We had a few kids sign up in the first service. So thank you so much. We can also grab one of these books. Uh, this will just bless your heart. Who wants a book right now? Come on, come on. Who wants a book? There you go. Oh, there you go. That'll bless you. You can read that in two and a half hours, and it'll just bless you. It's short, snappy stories of mission and what God would do. Okay, I'm going to preach a message today which I believe does have the power to change your life. Isn't that awesome? It's called the three visions. The three visions. I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. And it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he'd taken with the tongues from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, your sin purged. Also I, hear the vo I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, Lord, send me. Wow. A very famous passage of scripture. Now, the Holy Spirit, for decades, for centuries, has hovered around the world. And he's hovering right now in this room. He's looking for men and for women who he can anoint, who he can touch, who he can get a hold of, who are going to do something for him. Now, I can be sometimes preach to thousands of people in a week. Sometimes I can be preaching to ten people in a week. It really does vary. You know, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly when you get out there on the road. I'll not tell you which category you fall into yet. But you get to see the body of Christ all around the world. And whether you're preaching to thousands of people or whether you're preaching to a handful, you're really just looking for one person. 
each time. You're looking for one person at a time who can really gonna get this. Because God only needs one person. Let me tell you this right now, guys. God only needs one person. And I always say I might have to kiss a few frogs to find a prince. But today, we only need one of you to get this. One of you to really get this in your spirit. And you would be amazed at what God can do in your life. You would just be amazed. I'm going to talk about vision. Who shall I send who will go for me? Holy Spirit's asking that question in Jennings right now. He's going down every aisle. He's looking in every family. He's knocking on the door of every married couple. And he's asking the question, who will go for us? Who's going to do it? Who's going to step up to the plate and make a difference in this generation? He's roaming around. He's, he's looking. He's searching. He's, he's prompting hearts right now. People who are sick and tired of religion. People who are fed up of church. People frustrated with mundane Christianity. Those who want to go deeper for God. Those who want to make a difference for the gospel. He's looking right now of who he can touch. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be that prince today? Who's going to say, you know what? It's going to be me. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Before Isaiah could say those words, he had three visions take place in his life. I'm going to take a few moments now to explain what those visions were. Firstly, he had a vision of God. The Bible says in Isaiah 6 verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah had a vision of God. He saw the Lord. Now, don't know about you, but I'm not really the kind of person who has many visions. Now, I get concerned when I hear Christians all the time talk to me about how many visions they had. How many times they've seen Jesus this week. A little bit crazy. Some people say, hey, God told me what I'm going to have for breakfast this morning. He showed up in my kitchen. You know, I get a bit skeptical about stuff like that. Yeah? And I've never had a vision. I've never seen an angel. I get very jealous. Some people, hey, Christ appeared to me in a dream. Or I had a vision. An angel showed up. Hey, I, I get jealous. I'm going to be honest. I would love something like that to happen to me. But it never has. Now, the Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord. Now, I've seen the Lord. I've seen him. I've seen him without seeing him. I'm going to show you how. You say, well, how can you have had a vision of the Lord if you've never had one of these visions? Let me tell you right now how I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord high and lifted up. I remember as a kid turning my back on God. I remember as a kid going into the bars chasing the girls, trying to drink as much as I could. I remember rebelling against my Christian upbringing. I remember using foul language and cursing, not even caring. I remember looking my parents in the eye and saying, hey, I'm an atheist. I don't want your God. I remember doing that. I remember being there when things were so bleak. I remember putting my head on a pillow at night and feeling so lost. I remember putting my head on a pillow and feeling so much pain and inner turmoil because I knew in my heart that I wasn't right with God. Anyone remember how that felt? 
Man, that ain't good. That ain't pretty. If that's you today, let me tell you right now, get right with him. Get right with God. We'll give you an opportunity later in this service just to invite Jesus into your life. It'll be the best decision you ever made. Wow. Let me tell you something else. I remember on February the 25th, 2005, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I walked into a service like this. I walked into a service where I was lost. I was a sinner. I had so much filth in my life, you don't even want to know. And yet God came. The Holy Spirit showed up. And I gave my life to Him. And I've not looked back ever since. I saw the Lord. High and lifted up. I've seen Him. I had an upward vision. Vision number one is an upward vision. A vision of God. I remember as a kid, I actually experienced a healing as a child. You know, I suffered from a terrible stammer as a young boy. I couldn't even string one sentence together. I would try and talk. I just could not speak. I remember being in school, being terrified. Because the teacher would ask us all to read one sentence of the chapter of a book. And we would get up there. And we would begin to read in a circle. And I remember as a young boy, sweating and shaking and sweat would run down my brow. As I would be so scared because I knew that when it would come to my turn to speak, the, the whole room would just kind of burst out laughing. And I felt humiliated and embarrassed. But I saw the Lord. My mother looked me in the eye one day. She said, son... Jesus is going to heal you. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to believe God. And she looked at me in the eye and she prayed. And she asked God to do a miracle in my life. And I remember one day waking up and all of a sudden my speech was completely restored. I was healed. I was set free. And as they always say, I could talk and I haven't stopped talking ever since. God healed me. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw him. Have you seen the Lord today? People look at our ministry. They think, this is just crazy. How does this happen? They see 12,000 kids a week. They assume that we've got a big staff. They assume we've got a big HQ somewhere. Hey, we've got a handful of people on our staff. Just three or four or five people. Only three of them take money out of the ministry. And I'm not one of them. People look at it and think, wow, how must this be? How do you get all that money? Hey, and they miss God. They look at a miracle and they, miss, they try and work it out with their natural eyes when it's God all along. Let me tell you something. Don't fail to see God today. Don't miss Him. See God Look at what he's doing in your life. Psalm 37, David says, I will remember the works of the Lord. He's been a good God to you, friend. He saved you, he healed you, he set you free. Just, um, just imagine what it was like without him. Imagine how messed up life would be without him. He had a vision of God. Number one, an upward vision. A vision of God. Number two, let me tell you something. As soon as you see how big God is, you're going to see how small you are. 
God's so huge, you really ain't. The Bible says, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. He then said, I am a man of unclean lips. He saw himself. An upward vision will always lead to an inward vision. When you see God, you always see yourself. Let me show you something real cool. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. Here's what I'm going to show you something. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He's kind of important, okay? He wrote half of the Bible. So he's kind of important. Let's see what he says. He says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. This was written in 59 AD. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. Okay? So Paul here is saying that out of his group of leaders, his spiritual apostles, he's the least. That's how he sees it in his eyes. He's the least. Now, five years later in 64 AD, Ephesians 3 verse 8, he says this. I'm the least of all the saints. So Paul, even though his ministry is five years on, even though his ministry has developed and grown and matured five years, he's now saying he's the least out of the whole sainthood. Now, we already knew he was the least of the apostles in his group of leaders. Now he's saying he's the least of all the saints. How crazy. It's going to get even crazier. 65 AD, this is one year later, just before he dies, 1 Timothy 1.15. Here's what Paul says. He says he's the chief of all sinners. Wow. The longer Paul walked with God, the smaller he became in his own eyes. I'm telling you, friend, the longer I walk with God, the smaller I want to get in my own eyes. You know, I've had lepers ask me for prayer. I've had one child in Sierra Leone He had a tumor coming out of his face, which was so big, it looked like he had two heads. I've had little kids come up to me in Kenya, whose own mother killed herself while the little children were just watching. I could take you to a lady in Sri Lanka who you guys helped feed, help feed every day. And she told the story of how she was running away from soldiers trying to save her family's life. She had two twins. And she had to run through a stretch of water. She had to wade through water to get to the other side. And she had to hold both babies up above her head and run through this water. But she became so weak that she decided she could only carry one baby. And she had to let one of them go while she got to the other side of the water. Now she's only got one child. These are the kind of stories... I face. These are the kind of things I encounter every time I'm on the mission field. Every time I'm out there in Kenya or Sri Lanka. This is real life, guys. This ain't church. This ain't Sunday morning Christianity. This is real stuff. Real talk. When you get situations like that, that's not the time to think about how amazing your ministry is. It's not about the time to strut your stuff. Wow, look at me. I'm a great preacher. No, no. That's the time when I get on my knees and I say, God, without you, 
I can do nothing. I need you right now. If you don't come and heal the emotional hurt of these little kids, I've got nothing to give them. I need you. God, if you don't bring healing to this little kid with a tumor sticking out of his face, there's nothing I can do. I need a miracle. See yourself. Without him, you can do nothing. 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 He gives us breath. Without him, we can't even breathe. We wouldn't even exist. He breathed life into the dust. Wow. There's nothing humbles me more than when I see a little kid who without the love of God has got no chance. That's why we give our life to saving children. Because someone taught me it's better to build boys and girls than fix men and women. And if we don't get hold of these kids at a young age, then who knows what's going to happen with them? Who knows? In Jesus' name. He had a vision of God. He had a vision of himself. Let me tell you something. God can use you. If I come all the way from England just to tell you that one thing and you believed it, it would be worth it for one person. God can use you. Don't believe the lie of the devil that says you're not good enough, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're not rich enough, you're not the right color, you're not from the right culture. Let me tell you something. God can use you. I love the story in Luke chapter 5 of the man who gets lowered through the roof. You know, he has four friends. Those four friends decide to get him in the presence of God. And here's what they do. They put him on a mat. They lower him through the roof to Jesus. And Jesus heals him. Now we don't know anything about these four men. But they become the heroes of Luke chapter 5. The Bible doesn't say that the man had great faith. In fact, the man's faith isn't even referenced. The Bible says because of their faith, he was made well. Whose faith? It was the four friends. We don't know anything about those guys. We don't know how old they were. We don't know their names. We don't know what they did for a living. We don't know what church they went to. We don't know how they looked. We don't know what football team they supported. We don't know anything about them. And yet they became the heroes. How do you know? You don't have to be a superstar for God to use you. God can make you his superstar. You don't need a TV ministry or a book or magazine articles about you. You just need a humble heart that says, God, use me. And guess what? He'll use you. He'll use you. Isaiah has a vision of God. Number one, an upward vision. Number two, he has an inward vision. He sees himself. Number three, he has an outward vision. He sees other people. Up, in, out. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Wow. Let me tell you some stories and then I'm going to finish. You know what? Isaiah dwelt in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He recognized the times he was living in. And then he made a decision 
he was going to do something about it. He said, here am I, Lord. Send me. My prayer today, Jennings, Louisiana, is that someone will get this today and they'll say, God, I'm here. Send me. I'm willing to go. It might not be on a plane to Africa, although I pray for some of you it will be. We're going to try and take a team out from this church at some point in the future. And I pray that some of you will come to Kenya and experience what I get to experience with these children every time I go. You guys are involved in different missions in South Africa. and There's all kinds of stuff going on. It might just be a local thing. But I pray that somebody, one person, just gets this. Just gets this. Let me tell you something. It's never too late for God to use you. The first person who took me to Africa was an old man. And he has an incredible story. I tell this story everywhere I go. His name was Alex Patterson. And he came to a meeting like this. And he was, you know what? He was a Scotsman. Now those Scotsmen can be pretty tough, let me tell you that. I'm not even joking with you. Those Scottish people, they can be tough. And he would come into a meeting like this. And he heard a missionary speak, a missionary from Sierra Leone. And he, this guy caught something as a young teenager. You teenagers in here, let me tell you, God can use you. You don't have to wait till you're some old man for God to use you. God can get a hold of you. Most of Jesus' disciples were in their teens. We forget that. They were teenage boys. And Alec Patterson made a decision, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm not going to try and do the Scottish accent. And he said, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go to Sierra Leone. Now, how many know you can stick your hand up in church and it's pretty easy, but when you get out those doors and show up to work on Monday morning, that's when the real fun begins. Okay? It's easy to praise God in church. It's a bit different on Monday morning. Hey, am I speaking the truth? Come to the altar. Well, hey, we've got to get that in the workplace as well. And this man completely did what some of us are going to do today. He forgot all about what happened in church the night before. And he turned his back on God. Now, he didn't just turn his back on God in a small way. He rebelled. I mean, he really did rebel. He ended up going in, he ended up in jail. He was an angry, violent man. He would get in fights. He had two or three failed marriages. I can't even remember how many. And he just forgot all about his Christian faith. He moved to England as an older man. And he was sat in his yard one day at the age of 74 years old. And the Holy Spirit came. And this old Scotsman began to weep. After turning his back on God for over 50 years, the Holy Spirit came. And he began to weep. And he said, I'll go to Africa again. I'll go. At the age of 78 years old, he'd been discipled. He'd been attending a local church. He booked a plane ticket to Africa and for the first time in his life went on a mission trip at the age of 78 years old. He cared for the poor. He cared for the disabled, for the amputees. They had a civil war and he was right there building schools, opening projects, planting churches. 
And he stayed there till he was 90 years old. He came back to England. I got a call from his wife one day. Now, he'd married a Sierra Leonean woman who was 40 years younger than him. But we don't like to talk about that because it kind of ruins the story. So just forget I told you that bit. But he was in hospital, very sick. And she called me one day. She said, Matthew, you need to come and see my husband. He's very sick. They think he's going to die today. I said, okay, I'll be there. I go to the hospital, and man, he is so sick. The, the weight has gone from his face. He can't talk. He can't eat. And I, I think, well, he's going to die. And I did what any good British white preacher would do. And I prayed the most eloquent British prayer you could ever imagine. I said, Father God, thank you. You would have been so proud of me. I was so British. I was like a cast member from Downton Abbey. I said, in Jesus' name, thank you for his life. Thank you that you've blessed him with 90 years. Thank you that he, he had a second chance and he went to, to preach the gospel. And anyway, this wife, she was not happy with me. I mean, she almost slapped me around. She, hey man, we're going to pray that God would heal him. I'm thinking, man, he's 90. Does God heal 90-year-olds? And I thought, God, God bless her heart, you know, but he's going to die. I was a great apostle of faith that day. She said, in Jesus' name, we command the power of God to come. Be healed. I walked on by and I went home. I thought that would be the last time I ever saw that brother. She called me the next day. She said, Matthew, you're not going to believe this. She said, Alex is feeling much stronger. He sat up in bed. He's eating. He's talking. I said, well, yeah, I, I did pray for him yesterday. You know, no, no surprise. About a week went by and she said, Matthew, you're not going to believe this, but they're taking Alex home. He's been discharged from hospital. I went, what? About a month later, he called me up. He said, Matthew. He said, God has touched my body. I've booked a plane ticket. I'm going back out there to Africa. And he went there for another seven years. And he finally died two years ago at the age of 97 years old. I was honored to speak at his funeral. And they invited me in to speak. There was hundreds of people there. There was just a few white people in that funeral. Most of the people there were African people who came to honor the man who had impacted the nation of Sierra Leone so much. They sang, they danced, they gave tribute to this great missionary pioneer who didn't even start going on the mission field till he was 77 years old. While ever there's breath in your body, God can use you. God can put his touch on you. You might think you're dead and buried. You might think you're over. You might think your best days have gone. Let me prophesy to someone today. Your best days are still to come. God can still use you in a great way. In Jesus' name. Two more little stories. I'm honored every year I get invited to preach in New York City for a man named Bill Wilson. He has the largest Sunday school in the world. 200,000 kids a week worldwide in his program. Incredible man. But it didn't start like that. It started with a 12-year-old boy on the street corner. And this young man named Bill Wilson... He didn't have a father and his mother had left him on the street. She said, hey son, I'll be right back. 
One day, two day, three days went by. And this man, this boy, was left with no food and no drink by his own mother. Pretty bad. Pretty scary. What's even more scary is that tens of thousands of people walked past that young boy. Tens of thousands of people walked on by. And we were all too busy to even notice. One man had something different about him. He was an ordinary man. In fact, his own daughter was dying of cancer in hospital at that time. How many know it's often the people who are going through the toughest times in life who really want to make a difference? You'll often find that in life. If you want something doing, you ask a busy person to do it. This guy had enough problems going on of his own. He, didn't, he had all the excuses. And yet he was the one who stopped for this young kid. He gave him some food. He took him to church camp. And for the first time in his life, 12-year-old Bill Wilson heard the message of Jesus Christ. And he found out that there was a God out there who loved him. There was a God out there who knew everything about him, everything about why his mum had left him. And this 12-year-old boy gave his life to Jesus. Now, today, 55 years later, this young boy runs the largest children's ministry in the world. Why is that? Is it because he's a great leader? Yes. Is it because he's a great public speaker? Yes. Is it because he has phenomenal leadership ability and gutsy determination to overcome life's trials? Yes. But guess what? The real reason 200,000 kids will hear the gospel this week is because one man, one ordinary Christian, decided to stop and do something. He had a vision of God. He knew himself. He knew what he could do. And then he had a vision for someone else. He did something about it. Wow. That could be you. You could be that ordinary Christian. You might never stand behind this pulpit. You may never get on the worship team. But everyone in this room can stop for one life. That's why we do what we do. I've had a pretty rough few years, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had some serious emotional ups and downs in the last two years. Two years ago this week, they gave me three hours to live. I was on life support machines. I was, I was having dialysis. I was having blood transfusions. All my major organs failed. My brain was starting to get damaged. My lungs, my heart, my kidneys, everything was damaged. I had malaria, the highest count of malaria they'd ever known in that hospital. They said, we, there's not, the medicine failed. They said, he's probably got three hours to live. And God stepped in and saved my life. This thing is not easy. Just a few months ago, my wife and I both had scabies. It's a skin disease which you catch in Africa. Because you've been praying for kids and hanging around kids who don't have any treatment and they've, they've lived in poverty. And it can rub off. And I could remember we were laid in bed one night, could literally feel the insects crawling in your skin. Nothing you can do about it. Just get some cream and eventually it goes away. I remember looking at my wife. We're both scratching, thinking, what on earth are we doing? We could, we're smart people. We could have good jobs and nice houses. Why are we doing this? And then we remembered why. In 2006, we were in Sierra Leone. 
We found a little kid begging on the street. She was beautiful. Her name was Felicity. She was nine years old. She had no shoes on. My wife bought her some shoes. She took this kid. She loved her. She loved her like a mother loved her. She played with her. She bought her food. She just played games with her. Our team just loved this girl. That night we were doing a gospel campaign. The girl says to my wife, Hey, do you want me to wait in your hotel room for you? It's like, what? Why would you want to wait there? She said, hey, no, would you like me to wait in your hotel room for you? Third time, Felicity, what do you mean? Why would you say that? Why would you say, would you wait in my hotel room for me? Sure enough, this little girl thought that the only reason my wife, a woman 20 years older than her, had been so nice to her and bought her shoes was because she expected sexual favors from her in return in the bedroom. What's that little kid been through at nine years old to think that? What's that girl encountered to think that another woman would want that from her? Man, back then, friends, there was no website. There was no book, nice literature, beautiful magazines, leaflets. There was nothing. Just a heart for God. Just a passion. If people don't know what your passion is, you don't have one. What's your passion today? What are you searching for? Yeah, you've seen God. You've seen yourself. Let's see others. We determined that day that we were going to do something for God. We didn't know how big this was going to get. We didn't know it would be 10, 12,000 kids a week. We just wanted to stop for the one. And we saw with that little girl, God's heart for people. Every time we take in a new girl now in the orphanage, you know who we're taking in, don't you? We're taking in little Felicity. And we're helping rescue children one by one. That's why I need some help. And if you can sponsor one of those kids for $30, it literally is a matter of life and death. We had a little boy die this week. And we were only able to take in his two sisters. We couldn't take him in this several years ago. We had to say, sorry, you, know, you literally just can't help everyone. And we found that that boy died this week of sickle cell. All because we couldn't do it. We didn't have enough resource, enough money, enough staff to take care of it. This is a matter of life and death. Please, friends, I'm going to finish now. See God. Have a vision of him. Think about how amazing he is. Think about how awesome he is. If you don't know him, today do that. Make that step. Now I was in the Hampton Inn last night in Jennings. Two o'clock in the morning, the fire alarm goes off. Goes off. And it's going, I, I, I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know which country I was in. I'm like, this is crazy. Anyway, we're all outside in our pajamas at three o'clock in the morning in Jennings. And there's all the guests, we, we had to evacuate the hotel. And suddenly I thought, man, I forgot my laptop. I thought, I need that thing. My passport. So I said to Becky, I said, I'm going back in that hotel. And there was fire engines there, police there. I said, I'm going to go back and get my laptop and my passport. So I go back in the hotel and it's, it's secluded. I'm the only guest in the entire hotel. It's eerie. 
And suddenly it dawns on me, what a stupid thing to do. I mean, you've gone back in there for a piece of metal. And it suddenly dawned on me, what are we willing to risk our lives for? There's things which we mess around with. There's things that, which we're willing to go and, and rescue and they're just not worth it. They're just not worth risking your life for some of the sin we get involved in. Some of the things we're messing up with, which we shouldn't be messing up with, the, the pornography and the, the different things. It ain't worth it, guys. When real life is at risk. Thank God I made it out of that hotel. There was no fire. It was a false alarm. I'd love to know who was staying in room 428 last night at the Hampton Inn Jennings. I'd like to have a little word with you afterwards. Because you cost me some sleep last night. See God. See him high and lifted up. See yourself. Listen, God loves you. You're amazing. You're his son. You're his daughter. He wants to use you. And finally today, see others. Whether it's sponsoring a child, whether it's going on a mission trip, whether it's serving your church and your local community, do something for the gospel because God wants to use you in a great and mighty way. Thank you very much.